Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. I'm really excited that you're here today and you are in for a massive treat. Today I'm sitting down with Sally and Sally is from England. She's a registered psychologist as well as a yoga teacher and she teaches about menstrual health awareness. She's a movement coach and helps women to get back to their self-care rituals. Basically, Sally has so much to offer, and I know that in several times in this episode, you're going to want to rewind and go back and write things down because what she's about to talk about today is so fascinating. So today, Sally is talking about the wisdom of the menstrual cycle, and she takes us through exactly what is happening energetically, hormonally, as we move through our months. She also uses the example of seasons and how we move through a season as women every single month, and it is so fascinating to hear her speak about this. This is something that I have very little knowledge in and know that I can't wait to dive in and learn more. So I know that you're just, again, I'm going to absolutely love this episode and learn so much from Sally. Make sure to check out all her stuff. I'll put her links in the show notes if you want to learn more about self-care rituals, the wisdom of the menstrual cycle, yoga, and more. So without further ado, let's welcome Sally onto the show. Hey, Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here, and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia, and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Sally. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Oh, hi, Talia. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I love what we're about to talk about, and I think that it's so needed in my life. And to for my audience, I'm just so grateful that you're here and willing to talk to us today. Mm, yeah, me too. So much wisdom to be shared between us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so can you please tell us just a little bit about what you do and where you are and you know what what you're offering these days <laughs> mm, absolutely yeah so I'm based in the UK I'm based in the northwest of the UK quite a rural part um, and I work with women currently to empower them to return to self-care rituals so I work with a number of modalities I'm a registered psychologist and a yoga teacher so I support women to shift mindset. I also teach menstrual health awareness and I work with movement. So I'm um, a movement coach. I used to call myself a, a yoga teacher and I still do use that term, but I I find the term movement a lot more liberating. So that's where I'm kind of at with that at the moment. And yeah, I have a one-to-one offering with women. I also run um, a membership offer. I run online courses um, and also small group programs. So a mixture of things going on. That is amazing. It really sounds like through sort of those pillars of what you teach, it's like 
helping us women to embrace who we are, embrace our body and really kind of get back to that sense of wholeness. Is that what you would say is sort of like why you do this is just to really help women reclaim who they are? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that amazing summary. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Because at the core of women is something so raw and fierce that we often lose, right? Because um, for a long time, we've been in a very masculine energy dominated society, very patriarchal structures going on. Um, A lot of behaviors that have a deep stem of, of trauma for, for much of the population for, for different reasons. And for women, you know, I, I often find that women can travel through their lives playing different roles. So they might start off as the good girl, someone who always wants to be pleasing their parents or pleasing teachers at school doesn't want to get anything wrong, doesn't want to um, uh, express emotions in what might be seen as a dangerous or unhealthy way. And then we kind of move from that to maybe motherhood. Um, And then I, you know, I work with a lot of women somewhere along the way, we just get a bit lost. We lose our sense of what we enjoy. We lose our sense of um, connection to our cycle, our menstrual cycles, and also just the fact that we are cyclical beings. So not just the menstrual cycle, but, you know, the lunar cycles, the season cycles, like everything is constantly working in, in, in rhythm. And for women to bring back this balance of masculine and feminine energies, it's just, so amazing to be in tune with that um, in in a range of different ways. So yeah, helping women to return to themselves because there's there's nothing to be fixed. It's simply removing those layers of, you know, what's what's accumulated over time and then stripping that back and actually realizing that at the core of us, there's something so beautiful to be nourished there, something that we have to, you know, treat with such loving care and um and as such is the treadmill of life for many women who were ambitious go-getting um you know maybe even on the path of personal development but things get lost and layers layers build up um, so yeah I do I just help women to return to themselves ultimately yeah I love how you describe it because That is exactly how it occurs to me is that it's easy to lose yourself as we grow and whether it's we get immersed in our career or you say we become mothers or just doing our own thing, traveling the world. Like it's, especially in that age around sort of our 20s, maybe early 30s, but I think kind of the 20s, it's like we're not really taught to pay attention to the wisdom of our bodies or maybe that was just my experience or more taught to like what are you going to be what are you going to do how many children how much money are you going to make um do something with yourself but it doesn't come from the inside it comes from this external pressure so the wisdom of our body and like you said embracing the cycles to so many people that is so bottom of the priority list slash probably not even important it's like no I gotta build my career I gotta start pumping out children I got it whatever and then we go through the rest of our life not being aware of those cycles 
yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, a lot of women wonder, well, why would I even do this? You know, why would I do this work? Why would I consider my menstrual health um, or my menstrual cycle? And my very simple answer to that is, it's because it's a it's a part of you. You know, if you're ignoring that and you're not developing a relationship with that, then you're missing out on this wonderful opportunity to um, not have a relationship with a part of yourself. Um, and the other reason is, you know, despite the increase in scientific knowledge and Western medicine, we still have so many um health conditions in the world right especially for women you know gynecological issues fertility issues period pain um you know women really dreading particular stages of their life perimenopause menopause i know is like a, a real hot topic for discussion for um for some women so despite all of the improvements that we've seen in the medical world we still have all of this going on and we also have a lot that uh, women are ashamed or don't want to talk about, right? So, so we're not educated really on our periods growing up. It's not something that we sit with other women to explore. Um, lots of women are in households where they have the majority of childcare or household work and um it's a suppression it's a suppression of, of natural cycles natural energies so I think the more that we can do to bring that to the forefront and make it more ripe and open for discussion it's it's just part of the natural world really mm. I love how you say that and you know yeah with all of the medical advancements we've got every pill or whatever that you could imagine but that also implies that you're broken and you need to be fixed. So mm-hmm. yes, there's painkillers for maybe if your menstrual cycle is really painful or I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's hormones for menopause or things you can take, but that's all, all based on the belief that there's something wrong going on and we need to fix it or there's something bad going on and we need to fix it. So as much as there's all these advancements, where's the advancement in listening to your body and being able mm-hmm. to you know, um, have it understood that we might need a day off of work here and there, or we might need extra support with our children when we're really feeling like we need it. You know, instead it's like pop a pill so you can go to work and show up for that meeting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that again is very masculine energy dominated, isn't it? And I think we've seen that in the rise of hormonal contraception. And, you know, I've been on a real journey with that myself because, Um, As a young woman, you know, someone who maybe hasn't been bleeding for many years um, and for young women who feel that they they want a life of freedom, they want to feel liberated, they don't want to necessarily worry or think about children in their 20s. They want to, for me, definitely it was like a, a passage of of feeling in control of when I was bleeding so I could cater my life accordingly, um, you know, running packs of pills together. And unfortunately for many women, if they go to their doctors, um, especially young women, and start talking about their periods or painful periods or wanting to do something about that, that then um, doctors 
will give out hormonal contraception. And this is not a kind of, you know, a blame game because it's just the the system. It's a system issue. And that can result in, you know, women's hormonal systems being out of whack for years. So I was on hormonal contraception for 12 years um, before I decided to come off. And for many women, because they bleed whilst they're on hormonal contraception, they, they feel or, you know, they, they kind of have this, this idea that they're still having a period, um, but it's not a, a period, it's a fake bleed. And there's tons of research now as well about um, some of the risks or the, the downsides to being on hormonal contraception, especially for um, a longer period of time. And that information is not freely distributed to younger women um, in order to help them feel empowered and, and make that decision. Um, so, yeah, as I say, that's that's the journey that I've been on and coming off the pill as well. You know, it, it, it takes a long time for your cycles to or it can take a long time for them to return to um, your your natural cycle or what might feel like your natural cycle. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think there's it's a very symptom led way of thinking um, in Western medicine. And that's why, you know, Eastern philosophy is so beautiful and really needed because it's much more about preventative action and looking at the individual as a whole um, rather than just one thing that they're presenting with. So, you know, what might be the dominant emotions coming up as well as the physical symptoms? Um, it's, it's looking at that, that holistic perspective. I love that. I love Chinese medicine. I was, I brought, I was brought up with my mom's husband from the time I was maybe seven or so. He's a naturopathic doctor, Chinese medicine trained doctor, grew up with acupuncture, grew up with Chinese medicine and that way of looking at things. And I, it resonates so deeply with me because as you said, you look at the person as a whole, but I also love how in traditional Chinese medicine, they don't just jump into like cutting into the body, doing like autopsies or uh, sorry, biopsies and, you know, surgeries and things. That's not their first go. It's to look at the outside of the body to get an idea of what's going on inside. And I always loved how my stepdad, he did tongue and pulse diagnosis. He'd call it where he'd look at the tongue, take your pulse, look in your eyes, nail beds, all that stuff. And he, you know, right away, I was so fascinated when I was a kid. He's like, oh yeah, your liver. Or, you know, if I had acne or something around here, he's like, oh, that's a hormone surge. And I was always so, um, curious like how can you tell that not with a blood test not with a you know some sort of internal thing where we had to like draw blood or go into the body I always thought that was so neat and if we could look at the outside what's going on outside it tells us what's going on inside and that's mm -hmm. so not how we do it now as you said western is about symptom management, is about sort of just putting out the fires that are on the surface rather than the deep root cause, which I just think is absolutely so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think just for every woman to be educated, as you said, like the Chinese medicine perspective of um, 
being able to recognize the imbalances, right? So for women being able to recognize when something is falling out of balance in their lives, because it's just so easy for us to be on this treadmill, right? And I, I guess I'm not just kind of speaking about, you know, busy um, women on a career ladder, because anyone can get on a treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. Who are uh, on a path of self-development or people who really want to find something to fix about themselves, like people who are healing really deep trauma, like that can become a treadmill in itself. It's like you're constantly in this um, in this phase of wanting to find something to mend yourself. And I think what, what can sometimes happen is that we go looking for external sources. We go looking for external answers. And there's just, there's so much wisdom to be found in um, empowering ourselves with different fields of knowledge. Because ultimately, you know, if you look at Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, or even just the basic scientific information about your menstrual cycle, you know, what's what's happening? Where are the hormonal surges? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you tracking your own cycle? Um, I just think that the magic comes in applying all of that to, to yourself and being in such a deep relationship with yourself, your heart, your womb, all of these sacred energy centers that we carry as women, um, that you you then can just, you can just feel it. You can just tell, you can feel, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that I'm coming out of balance and maybe it's because I um, had a project to finish or something to do in the days leading up to my period. I pushed too, I pushed too far. Uh, so maybe this time around in my menstrual cycle, when it comes to the days after my period, I'm going to take my foot off the gas a little bit and um, and just work out some space for myself or some way that I can that I can rest. So yeah, it's just, it's that deep relationship with with yourself, isn't it? And whatever like resonates for you, whether it's Chinese medicine or you know whatever it is, there's so so many um fountains of wisdom to be found Mm -hmm. oh definitely and it all seems like especially the eastern um medicine paths it all seems like it's the same type of theory of like observing the outside and paying attention and shifting with awareness with herbs and food and water and rest and it's like very natural you know compared to what we have which is a lot of pushing and a lot of chemicals and all of that again it's not about blaming it's just witnessing where we're at and how some some cultures have stayed more traditional to the earth and the way we used to do things and some you know have advanced into more modern medicine and all of that um so I would love to talk about the cycle and for my audience for myself how can we start to honor our cycle more maybe just pretend that we you know maybe just talk to me pretend we know almost nothing about this as far as when we need to be resting when our hormones are spiking and surging where does somebody start when they really say yeah i want to really honor my 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 menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. okay so the first thing is, wow, like what an amazing step to take to even like acknowledge that because it can be huge for, for women to even want to step into this world. So 
I think my very first principle with uh, cycle tracking awareness and working with your cycle is self-compassion, right? Because the moment you step into this world, it's, um, it's in a place of holding yourself in love and care because there is no perfect cycle. I think that's really important to say because I think um, when we start learning about this kind of stuff, it can be very easy to bring in the idea of like, I have to fit into this box, right? My cycle has to be this length. I have to do this in this phase of my cycle and I have to do this at another phase. Like, it's not like that. There is never any one size fits all approach. Um, I would say the first thing to be aware of is what what is your menstrual cycle? So your menstrual cycle begins on the first day that you are bleeding. So that is day one. And your cycle then may last from, you know, anywhere from 20 to 50 days and beyond. Typically, um, there's been a bit of a story that 28 days is like the perfect length cycle. But actually, we know that Anything between kind of 25 to 34 is within what we would consider to be a healthy range. So the first thing is just that basic awareness of knowing when your cycle starts and also understanding the different phases of your cycle. So Alexandra Pope, an author I highly recommend checking out. There's many amazing authors um, to go away and read about, but she came up with the idea of seasons for your cycle. Um, so starting with your winter, your bleed, your bleed may last from anything from three to seven days is what a lot of, a lot of women tend to find. Um, and in Chinese medicine, when we have this phase of the bleed, and the days leading up to it, we want to keep the chi, our energy moving. And it's very much a focus on a downward movement. Um, so this is where Chinese medicine and um, the blend of that with, with women's health, which I love, kind of differs a little bit to the popular narrative of um, stop and do nothing during your period. Um, and what I would say is it's, it's certainly true that when you are bleeding, um, many, many women will benefit from scheduled rest, but that also, there's so much to unpick here, right? Because like, what, what is rest and, and how do we take rest? Because what some women would consider as rest can actually be distraction, mm -hmm. um, you know, some some people will schedule sofa days, Netflix days, those kinds of things. Um, what I love to teach about and more where we're choosing to rest. So whether it's restorative yoga, whether it's yoga nidra, those kinds of things. So for many women, the time of their bleed is a real time of release and reflection. So if you have an existing journaling practice or you've been considering taking up journaling, journaling during your bleed can be really, really powerful um, because the left and the right hemispheres of the brain 
are on a scientific level talking to each other more. So we have a, a deepened connection to ourselves and just where we're at in, in our lives um, because we are literally shedding a layer of ourselves at that time. So what we want to do is, is have this sense that we are moving into the next phase of our cycle with a sense of renewal, that we've let go of what we don't want to carry with us. Um, you know, much as you do with, with lunar cycles, the idea of the full moon and the, the new moon, there's, there's crossovers, right? So the time of the bleed, um, definitely rest, definitely release. And then once the bleed ends, that's when we move into what Alexandra Pope calls spring. We also call it the follicular phase. And this is where we see the rise of a hormone called estrogen. So estrogen peaks when it comes to the event of ovulation for women who are ovulating. Um, and it continues to rise in, in the days leading up to ovulation. And estrogen is the, the hormone that helps us to feel really confident and capable and um, helps us to feel like we want to be out there in the world. So what, what can be very common is in those first few days of your cycle, you get a spark of energy. So some women start to feel very energized, um, maybe around day three. Day three is quite a common day. Um, some women might even still be bleeding, but, you know, they get that sense, oh, like, I want to be exercising again. I want to be running again, those kinds of things. Um, and what I would say is it, it, you're... There is no one size fits all approach. If you get energy, you want to start moving. Spring and moving into ovulation are definitely a great time to be thinking about birthing projects, new ideas, um, moving into higher intensity exercise. Mm. And sorry, um, just to so I'm clear. Yeah. You said day three, some people might even still be bleeding. Isn't day one, though, the first day of bleed? Yeah. Right. So then you're talking about ovulation, which then happens like really honestly, treat me like I'm a child. Um, it happens after the bleed. You Then you start yeah. moving into ovulation. So that's when we start moving into spring. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So day day one menstrual cycle. So, so think of a menstrual cycle as a kind of map. So the menstrual cycle might go from day one to let's say day 28. Yeah. We've started on day one, which is, which is the first day of your bleed. Mm -hmm. And of, I'm kind of moving now into the first half of the cycle. Mm, I see, yeah. So ovulation um, typically happens, so yeah, it normally happens about halfway through, but it's mm. different for every woman. And there are signs that you can track um, to understand a little bit more about your own body, which is really, really important as well, because there's no way that I can, you know, give, a defining days of when things happen for every every single mm -hmm. um so we move into this this spring period we start to get our energy back so yeah it's a great time to be thinking about um birthing things into the world um and then as you approach ovulation so um tracking your temperature. There are all kinds of apps and things that you can use to track uh, your cycle. And lots of women will be aware of ovulation because 
it's their fertile window. Mm -hmm. So around that time, you get this rush of the hormones in your body because on a very basic level, your body wants you to feel more attractive and attracted to in order to mate with others, mm -hmm. right? We want to be like dating. We want to be confident. Um, we want to be communicating with other people. So all of those things, this is just tuning into what is happening very naturally in your, in your body. So that's a really great time of your cycle to be thinking about socializing, to be basically maximizing the energy of that time. Um, so it's almost like at the week-ish very loose on the time frame, but the weekish yeah. following when you sort of finish bleeding, typically, that's when you start moving into feeling more active. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 I would say, I would say it's probably going to be a two week window. Mm. So, you know, you, you have five, five days of bleeding. The two weeks after that, um, yeah, you're going to get this build of energy. You're going to move into your spring and then through your summer. So bear in mind that, so ovulation is a single event, mm. but we can kind of spread it. If you're not exactly sure when you are ovulating, some women will be, some women won't, but you can kind of spread it over like a three to four day period. So when I work with women who are on a journey of, of fertility, for example, sparking um, what we call yang or sparking energy, sparking movement around that time to get that single event of ovulation happening is really important. Um, and then, so from there, we move to the time back towards our, our bleed happening again. Mm -hmm. so this is what Alexandra Pope calls autumn. This can be a really difficult and challenging time for many women. Um, and, you know, the approach to women's uh, or to your period, it's just, yes, it, for some, I think an author called it the highway to hell. It's really challenging. It can be quite a chaotic time. It can be a time where women ask a lot of questions of themselves. It's also the time where women are more likely to feel and see their self-critic come up. I was going to say insecure. It almost feels yes. like less self-compassion, less comfort in our body or in ourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So body confidence issues um, tend to be more common around this time. Um, and I love one of my mentors, Carly Slade. She said to me once, what I always do when autumn comes around is I ask, okay, hello, autumn. What have you got to teach me this time? Because mm. there's, there's always something new, right? And also, the, these phases of our cycle, our autumn, our winter, um, how can we understand the strengths of these phases as well? So let's think about autumn. Autumn with the rise of progesterone. So we've seen estrogen come up and then come down. And then progesterone is the dominant uh, hormone in our autumn. So this is a time when you're definitely going to enjoy like batch cooking. You're definitely going to enjoy kind of tidying and editing and organizing. So about like the journey of a, a project, right? If you're working on something, um, you, you very naturally will want to have that phase where 
you've done the creative bit of it. Maybe you've been working on other people um, with it. And then you have the phase where you just want to take a step back and you want to look at it as a whole. And maybe you've got, you know, the spelling and grammar and stuff. That's like naturally what happens for every aspect of our life with our cycle. So our autumn is... um, is a, is a great time to be, yeah, just, just organizing whatever it is that you want to organize in, in your life. But it's also a phase where you will very intuitively want to be at home more. You may not want to socialize as much and want to take a bit of a step back from the world. And then that kind of continues as your bleed arrives. So we just have they happen. They happen anyway, right? Unless you're on hormonal contraceptive, in which case these hormones get suppressed and you won't be experiencing those natural surges that I've just described. But if you're not, that will be your experience, whether you are acknowledging it or not, that's what's going on in your body. Mm. You can kind of understand that as being a, a superpower, then the more we're really maximizing um our potential as women really oh that that is so interesting um on so many levels but I just get really present to how we were talking about initially like our lives are really busy and we're not sort of taught to honor our cycles and honor our seasons and you know um we're more taught to go forward and just do things because it's Monday not because you know any other reason or whatever it is but I just get this feeling of like it's got to be causing resistance in our life that we're not even aware of because say we're in our fall season and we want to kind of be stepping back or, you know, the editing or the kind of, you know, hibernating a little bit, whatever it is, but we have to push this creative project forward. Or I got to, you know, there's times when I'm trying to write something like a group program or my book and I just can't do it. I'm just trying and I've got all the, the, the sage and the crystals and the aromatherapy and I've got a clear day and everything else is set up but I'm just not in the creative flow. Maybe I'm really distracted. Maybe I just feel like I don't want to be here. I want to be out in nature. But then what we do, and I'll just speak for myself, but I believe this is probably true for so many women, is we blame ourselves. We go, what's wrong with me? This is my day to, it says creative, write my book day on the calendar or whatever. What is wrong with me? Come on, focus. And it's like resistance, resistance, just trying to you know, cram something in when it's not feeling like it works. So by even just being aware, like you said, this is happening anyway, simply being aware of that, you can start to move with the cycles and be aware like, oh, maybe this isn't the time to create. Maybe this is the time to step back um, or rest or whatever. So I just love that. Yeah. And you're so right. Like I, think awareness is has to be the first step and even if it's just writing down a word every day on each days of your cycle to acknowledge how you're feeling Mm. and, and then looking at patterns you know because I've been there like it's not um it's not realistic to think that we can we can automatically go to fitting our lives into this understanding right so like I've just been working on a project and I was creating materials in my autumn um and that's just how it is sometimes right so I think we have to be I think we have to watch 
um, that yes, we can we can understand our cycles and when something might feel more natural or more intuitive. But there are other reasons why why we might have blocks to something. Right, there can be a, a ton of things going on. So this case of like you should not be doing this in your autumn or um, definitely always do this in your spring. But but what it does mean is that if you are constantly scheduling something in a particular phase of your cycle, then it's going to be requiring a lot more energy from you at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And or that is likely to leave you depleted much more depleted than you could be in other phases of your cycle. So um, we are, you know, we are told as women that we can have it all, right? We can have like, we can have the job, we can have self-development, we can have the family life, we can have everything. But actually what this can result in is having less, right? We have like less connection to ourselves. We have less energy. We're trying to do more, um, with less inner resource, mm. I think with menstrual cycle awareness, it's not it's not another thing that you beat yourself up about, right? Mm. It's, it's not another thing that you think, oh my god, like I um I can't I just can't schedule this at this time, and if I if I don't see a friend or I don't see a group of friends now, I'm not going to see them for ages. Like that's just life. So mm. it's a case of scrutinizing every detail of your life and trying to make it fit but it's just a way of understanding okay this is a blueprint like this is what I have to work with so how can I tune into firstly how am I feeling in each of those phases how am I feeling on each and every day like energy wise emotion wise and then once I've started to work that bit out then how can I look at those patterns and think, oh, okay, um, you know, generally I always feel more energetic at this time. So I'm going to try and fit in a few more gym classes or, you know, whatever it is. I think it's, it's just something to be used as a tool of empowerment rather than a tool of um, being unkind to yourself. Yeah. I definitely agree. It reminds me a lot of the moon cycle, actually. I teach about the moon cycle and have held, you know, moon circles where we were talking about um, the different phases of the moon cycle and how it is, it reminds me very much of how you'll be called toward um, more creativity or sometimes like the full moon. It's like the time when mirrors are up everywhere. You're frustrated or this, it's because it's a reflection of what's going on. So it's not that you need to stop your life when it's sort of the wrong cycle to do this. It's not, or the wrong phase. It's not about wrong or right, but it's about being aware. And I think you just said it absolutely beautifully. And maybe, you know, like you said, sometimes there is a heavy workload in your autumn or you do need to create a project, but maybe there's a way to marry the two, right? I acknowledge this does need to get done in this time, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to really focus for two hours and then I'm going to go for a nice walk or make myself a nice salad and then maybe give myself another hour because I have some deadlines and then I'm going to just have a bath and rest because so it's almost like not that you have to cancel life, but witnessing that if I go too far, like you said toward the beginning, if I go too far in this phase, I'm going to get burnt out easier or I'm going to get frustrated easier. Or I find too, my hunger level will dramatically change. Um, 
I can't quite pinpoint when it is what, but some days I'm just so much more hungry. I feel like it's around the bleed or leading up to it. I feel more, I don't like, I generally eat quite light, but sometimes I'll be noticing all I want is like potatoes and all I want is like heavier, more nourishing foods. Um, And so I, I find that that too is like, be kind on yourself for what you're going through and, and, um, what your body's calling for. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that is, that is just such a, a deep and radical practice of self-care, isn't it? Like you say, not, not necessarily feeling like you have to cancel life or have really difficult conversations with people all the time because you're trying to cater around different phases of your cycle or, you know, but it's just, yeah, it's just kind of tuning into yourself and and noticing, like noticing what's coming up. And I think it's so definitely nutrition is something like we will instinctively want to eat lighter in the follicular. So our, our spring and summer, and then when it comes to autumn, winter, definitely um, heavier foods. Like I always know I've kind of tipped into my autumn because I just want to roast a tray of veg, like mm-hmm. vegetables. Um, really 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 obvious to me um but also I find it so interesting what the the journey of different meditation practices across your cycle right Mm. um so our I've mentioned how in in your winter when you're bleeding the the hemispheres of the brain are talking more to each other so that's that's a real time of um manifestation intention setting you know that can be really really powerful and that can continue into spring so the days after you bleed you might just naturally feel like you're in this more expansive place so you're ready to call in what is it I want into my life I've shed what is no longer needed and now I'm ready to to call in um and then as we move you know, through that and, and into autumn, it might be more self-compassion, um, meditation practices that, that feel just a little bit more natural to you or intuitive. Um, I think definitely for women who experience that fierce inner critic, um, cause it's, it's literally like different sides of ourselves. You know, I think sometimes society teaches us that, we're the same person all the time. You know, we have these fixed like personality um, characteristics and traits, but that's just not true for women. Like how can it be true um, when we have a completely different hormonal journey to men? You know, men get a surge of testosterone on a daily basis. So how they will be feeling day by day is, is, it's just so different. It's so different for women. So I think to honor that and then to, feed the practices that you have in your life already into that blueprint is just, oh, it's just so amazing. That's really interesting. So women get this big surge of estrogen, as you're saying, like our spring and summer, there's more of the peak of estrogen and men get testosterone. I just saw like almost like drip release um, throughout each day, like each day they get a dump of testosterone. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, obviously, it's different for every man, for every man, but men are on a daily cycle. Yeah, 
women are on a, a, an approximately monthly. So um, testosterone does occur in women's cycles, but at a much lower level than estrogen and progesterone. So there's lots of, there are a few different hormones. There's, an, uh, there's a hormone called LH, which surges just before ovulation as well. So that's a one way of tracking when ovulation is just about to occur. So there's a few different things in the mix here, right? It's not like a black and white picture of like one or two things happening. And, and, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert on men's cycles, but I believe, <laughs> I believe that they're daily. That is, it just intuitively makes sense because I'm just talking extremely general here. Men tend to like the persona is that they're a little bit more even with the emotions. Like we say, like women are more like emotional, like up and down and this and that, which I don't even know how true that is. But when you go to the cycle... And you think like men, their cycle being in a day. So every day is more or less the same from a broad perspective, although their mornings are different than their evenings or whatever, however it would go the cycle in the day. But a woman, if you think of like a month or 28 days or 32 days or whatever, being like an event a flow, a wave. There's sometimes a peak and there's sometimes a low, whether we're talking hormones, moods, self-esteem, like whatever it is, it's like this journey every month we go on. Whereas the man, I know you're not an expert, but it's like, it just makes sense intuitively. That's a really neat way to also be compassionate because I think that's another thing is it might just be my own personal experience, but it feels like women have this pressure to be more even in a, in a man's world, in their business, in their job, in their relationship, in their family, not to be that emotional woman or what it's like, it's so suppressed. Like we're supposed to be even cool cucumber all month. And it just does not even feel, it almost feels impossible actually. is like the feeling like not that we're trying to strive for it. It just seems like that's not how we work is mm. we do go on a journey every, you know, month-ish. Uh, that's just so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And we are in this world that is generally, you know, set up by and led by patriarchal structures. So for some women, the thought of having conversations about cyclical living with, you know, bosses at work or even with your partner, like, I think this work is so pivotal to relationship work as well, you know, mm-hmm. because for men to have an understanding and for women to be passing this on to their children and mm-hmm. them feeling empowered and and n- not just as something a period is something that we dread, you know, and that that time of the month and and feeling more emotional. And I would say that rather than kind of interpreting it as being more emotional, I think it's just we have natural phases where we are in tune with our emotions more. So um, there's a book that I love, Period Power by Maisie Hill. She's a British author, amazing. Um, In her section about autumn, she talks about how if there is anything that is feeling sticky in your life, whether it's like, you know, a relationship or a personal challenge you're going through that is sure as hell going to come up in your autumn um, because that it's just the phase where you look at yourself in the mirror and all of those the parts of your life that are uncomfortable come to the surface 
So it's not just a case of like, oh, this is, you know, these are a few days where everything just feels like a bit of a mess and everything feels awful. This is showing something to you, right? This is this is showing what is there to be looked at. And, and for lots of women, once they go on this journey of cycle tracking, they start to see, oh, it's, it's the same stuff coming up every month. Like, you know, and that's, that's what we call patterns. That's what we call living in cycles because the same thing is going to keep rearing its head at certain, at a particular phase in your cycle for some women on a particular day until you've taken a good hard look at it. Yeah. I, there's so much power. I, I agree so much and it. We keep coming back to like just simply being aware. And so I love that your approach as much as I could say, okay, tell us what to do at each stage of our cycle. And you did share, right? The seasons and how you may be feeling. It, it sounds like more than that is to start writing it down, noticing it for yourself and really noticing that in that creative time, maybe some people, what that sort of creative time or their bleed time looks like, some people might want to naturally do different things. It's And I kind of had that idea before we spoke that we should always be resting this day. We should always be creating this day. And just by talking to you, I'm just feeling like it's an individual journey. How somebody expresses the different seasons within themselves is going to be different. And also how you're speaking about, like I kind of got the idea we should shut down the world when we bleed, like before we spoke. But that actually sounds like it might be a neat time to maybe not have client calls or all the appointments outside, but it might be the time to actually dive into writing, creating, dreaming, manifesting, seeing the future for yourself. But then maybe autumn, if we have control over our schedule, we can. Maybe that's the time a little bit more to not be as... Um, sort of like outward in the world or not. It, it just it just sounds like it's left open to interpretation what each person may need in their season. And I also love how you spoke to the rest because before we spoke, again, I had this idea of certain times of the month we should be on the couch with Netflix. But for me, what rest looks like is like deep, sacred self-care. Like I'm the first one, I wanna go out in nature. I want to have a two-hour bath. I want to write in my journal for hours. You know, I have three kids, so sometimes these things can't happen. But, you know, that's to me what self, what that rest is. It's not watching eight movies in a day being on the couch. But for someone else, maybe they do need one good day of shutting off to the world. I just love how your, your interpretation of it and how you share. It's like we need to do what works for us, not what someone yeah. else tells us to do. Yeah, 100%. And this is, it's just so dependent on your lifestyle, right? Like whether you have children, how do you have in your life generally? Do you have a desk bound job? Do you have an existing practice of, me of meditation? Um, you know, are you in control of your schedule or do you work for someone? There's just, there's so much to consider. And I think there is this idea of like, like you said, what, what should be happening in each phase. And the way that I like to teach and educate is, is more just about understanding the powers of each cycle. And also, you know, I have women come to me with different things going on around their periods. So for example, 
for women with really prevalent PMS or period pain, actually stopping or really decreasing movement after ovulation and into the period is not really beneficial because um, Chinese medicine understands period pain as stagnation. So it might be qi stagnation, it might be um, liver qi stagnation more specifically, and actually having a set of techniques and gentle movement, you know, compression and release um, uh, practices, um, definitely continual movement into autumn is really, really beneficial. But then for women who, you know, don't particularly have any um, symptoms that they're bringing and they just want to have a greater awareness of their cycle and they are women who are constantly on the go, who are on the treadmill of life, for them, like... 100% starting to slow down into autumn and into their bleed, um, packing less into their schedule, um, you know, less, less high intensity stuff, less movement, that's going to be beneficial. So yeah, there is, it's not, um, it's not a, a one size fits all approach. You can't just look at the cycle and say, here's what should be going on. It's more just about appreciating the strengths of it and about empowering yourself with that information and, understanding your own lifestyle a little bit more as well. I'm like, I'm really passionately about that. Yeah. When you're saying that I'm really present to, we, I, I see this over and over in different examples. Usually it's actually to do with the body is that I notice we have this response to life to freeze and not move when we think things are hard. So I think sometimes it's disguised. I like to say sometimes um, the ego in the highest self suit. So meaning like you're around your period, you're, you're, you know, you're the drill sergeant or the whatever could be saying like, shut down the show, just be on the couch, stop moving. You're in pain. Don't go for a walk. That sounds like the worst thing. And it's like the voice is sort of, it sounds like it has your best interest at heart, but not movement, like non-movement. And we talked about this a little bit. I'd love to dive in too, is non-movement is associated actually with death. I, I, I've read a lot and studied the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, and they talk a lot about um, a tree flexibility and movement signifies life. When something is still and not moving, that is a dead tree. That is when a big enough wind comes, it'll crack and fall over. But an alive tree has movement, it can sway with the wind, and it's not going to be, you know, blown over because it's alive. So life is movement. Stagnation, non-movement is actually sort of death and dying, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever. So I really like that you're saying that because something I'm hearing is like, I know with my physical body, when I'm in pain, I spent a lot of years, like close to 20 years. When I'm in pain, I don't move. I'm scared to move. I'm scared to stretch. I'm scared to go out. I'm not going to go out for a walk. What if I throw out my rib? What if I, and I learned that actually moving through the pain, gentle movement, you know, bringing in circulation, yoga, whatever, actually helped me to feel better. So the reason I'm saying this is like, shutting down the show, shutting, you know, non-movement when you have pain is probably making it worse. But gentle movement, whatever, you know, you would recommend people that are professionals in this, whatever type of movement, 
move through what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, what your season is, kind of allows you to not so be so scared of it and bring life even when you're uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot to unpick there, isn't there? I think definitely be a freeze response out of fear and also a freeze response out of feeling disconnected and disembodied. Um, I think it's really important to acknowledge, though, that for some women, like movement at particular, especially just, you know, going back to the menstrual cycle, movement at particular points in the cycle is just a no-go area to start. And I think that's okay. I think we have to differentiate between forcing yourself to do something and um, fear to do something. I think there's, I think there are subtle and also differences there. So for women who do carry huge amounts of pain, I think everyone's got their own comfort radar um, with with what they could tolerate at different phases of the cycle. So for some women who who are in pain, it might be you know thinking more about um, like castor oil packs can be a really great way of looking at stagnation. So there are other ways apart from movement mm. to um, drop back into the body um, at those times. But the other thing I would say is that for some women who are in a pattern of non-movement at particular phases of their cycle sometimes like just starting something can be tremendously beneficial so you know I'll just get on my mat and I'll do like five minutes and I might just do five cat cows or um I might just lie down on my front with a blanket rolled up underneath my belly and you know it's like we we need this starting point sometimes don't we we just need Mm. to think Gonna, I'm just going to do something. And then, oh, well, maybe I'll then feel like doing 10 minutes and I feel like doing 15 minutes. And, you know, so I think there's there's a difference to be understood there. Like, are you in so much pain that really rest is beneficial mm-hmm. for you? Because a lot of the time women women are in pain because of the experiences that they have at other phases of their cycle. So if you if you are constantly at full throttle, um, then you know you you might be in pain, and you might want to look at your practices at the other stages of your cycle when when you're not feeling so crappy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's so much there's so much to be implemented. I think it's like. I think it's one step at a time and sometimes when you're in pain maybe it's not the best time to be initially taking that step mm, yeah just coming back to listening to your body mm. really listening and I think you're you're so right is there's that subtle difference between almost like avoiding avoiding out of fear or simple like there are days when we just need to sleep or to rest, whatever that looks like, right? Um, I love that you say that. So are there times in life when our cycle gets 
uncycled. Like I was just thinking like mm-hmm. when we experience trauma or there's, you know, we're going through a divorce, we lo- we're grieving, maybe it is menopause or when we give birth, when we're pregnant, after we give birth, where it feels like there's not, it's so hard to tune in to the natural rhythm because of something going on outside that just feels like it throws you for a loop. I know after I had children, I felt like it took forever for me to have any kind of natural rhythm, but also in times of huge adjustments, it's like, I don't even know what I'm feeling because you're going through a divorce or a move or something. So can you speak to that for people that are kind of, for whatever reason, feeling all over the place outside of their cycle? Yeah, great question. What I would say to that is that we can have a lot come up in life as women, right? Childbirth. um, So I think there's there's a difference here between whether your cycle has actually stopped. So obviously, you know, if you're pregnant or when you hit menopause, um, you're not going to have the same kind of menstrual cycle as you would do in other phases of your life. Um, But what I love to uh, speak to with that is there is is still going to be a cycle that you observe. So I think no matter what you have going on in life, like for sure, other things can overstep the mark, right? Other things can become um, a priority. And I think that's okay. Things curtail us. But normally when those things happen... They are part of a life change for us. So as women, we move through um, different life phases. So we move from, you know, the phase of our pre-bleeding years to our bleeding years to our our post-bleeding years. And we all have, you know, a different relationship to different phases. So some people really dread getting older some people just want to you know live in their live in their 30s forever so I think this is kind of a a question of self-identity like what are you uh, how are you identifying as a woman when something curtails you um, and throws you off and even if you are not bleeding there is there is still a cycle that you can orientate yourself towards. So I've known of women who are pregnant who choose instead to um, track lunar cycle and just this, how they're feeling on different days of the lunar cycle. Um, When you're pregnant, you are going to be going through that natural cycle of your trimesters and that will affect how you're feeling and what your self-care needs are and, you know, your level of energy and everything else. Um, I think with other life events, it's a a little bit different, isn't it? Because I suppose it's a question of if your bleed has stopped, then maybe you choose to orientate yourself to the cyclical nature of life in a different way. Mm -hmm. But it's a question of a really challenging life event um, that maybe knocks you off course. I think that is just part of um, what we go through in life, and therefore, what is your what is your what are your pillars of self care in that situation? You know, what do you have to return to? Can you continue 
writing down one word for how you're feeling on that day. And mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with your cycle, but it's still that representation of, okay, you know, who am I today? How am I today? And I just think that the process of checking in is just so um, important, like what whatever's going on. Mm, yeah. And acknowledging that, it's exactly like you're saying, it's acknowledging we're always in some sort of cycle, whether it's menstrual or other, right? And and I think as we're going through a tough time in life, I like to, I always think there's a time for everything, right? There's a time to hustle. There's a time to rest. There's a time when you're passionate or angry or fired up. There's a time when you're calm and collected. There's a time to grieve. There's a time for gratitude. There's a time for all of it. So when you're going through big things in your life, even if you're, if you kind of neglect everything else, cause that tends to happen, right? We go through something huge. We neglect self-care and this and that. It's almost like when anything else, when everything goes to the wayside, almost just acknowledging this too is a cycle. This, mm. what is this calling me to do today? Do I just need to cry today? Do I need to pack up all my shit and leave? Like, you know, there's what is today calling me to do? Cause it is a cycle as well. And this will not last forever. And, you know, as we're saying this, it's like the power of honoring your menstrual cycle is going to, I was going to say bleed into, sorry for the pun. It's going to bleed into the other areas of your life, acknowledging that there are way, there's more cycles. There's bigger and smaller cycles every day, every month, every year, every phase of life. So by honoring that cycle, it feels like the translation into honoring all cycles, even if you're not completely aware of what's happening, it's just this too is a season. This th- this too is a phase would be mm. so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And it just comes back to that message of um, everything is temporary and everything is cyclical. You know, nothing lasts forever. There's no, there's no phase of a women's cycle that lasts forever. And even in the men- menopause years, when we do feel like we've stepped into winter, you know, there's always, there's, there's subtle shifts within that as well. It is, it is more subtle. It is a completely different phase of, of life. But I think, I think when you've got a lot going on, that's the other thing about empowering yourself with information about the cycle, because you might then start to tune into, okay, this is a, a phase of my cycle that I feel I make clearer decisions in, or this is when, you know, I kind of get the haze of like socializing and um, it's not so, uh, it's not such a great time for me to be looking at my life as a whole. So when really, you know, when really awful things happen to us, I think even having that awareness of where we are at in our cycle, if we, if we do have a menstrual cycle, I think that is really powerful, just that fact. Mm, yeah. So do you come across people, I'm sure you probably do, but do you come across people that carry shame 
around their cycle. And I'm particularly thinking of maybe the way they were brought up. Some people were brought up mm-hmm. maybe without a mom and the dad didn't know how to handle it. Or maybe the mom was there, but she had shame, whatever. Also then being in relationships now, if you know someone has a husband and their husband doesn't really get it, and but they need things on certain times. So sometimes it's hard for us to stand up and be like, listen, this is day two. I really need this and I need you to respect that because depending on our upbringing, that could be really uncomfortable. So what do we do when we have that shame and that sort of those feelings of wanting to hide or suppress this part of us instead of owning and sharing to who's appropriate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Another great question. So definitely, I think shame is a word that we often associate with menstrual cycle awareness. Um, It's not, it's quite a taboo subject, right? It's not something that is very prevalent in the education system. It's not something that's very prevalent for uh, teenage girls. Um, It's not something that women speak about together a lot of the time. You know, you don't really go for a coffee date with a female friend and kind of chat about where you are in your menstrual cycle. Um, So, yeah, I say I would say I definitely come across shame. I I definitely come across suppression and um, ignoring as well or just wanting your period to go away and for it just to be something that's that's dealt with so you know that's something that that I see a lot of as well um I think in terms of how we manage that I think it's just down to acknowledging what's your starting point like where where are you at in your own journey because sometimes it can feel like there are massive leaps to be taken Um, because you're not going to go from someone who has never spoken to any of her close friends or partner or family about your menstrual cycle to talking about it every day and to labeling the day that you're on and asking for your needs on that day. Like that is just an unrealistic jump to make. So I think with, um, with making a positive step forward, I think it's just identifying what's like an action that feels comfortable to me that I could do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it might just be, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to um, recognize what day of my cycle I'm on and I'm going to write down one word for myself Um, that summarizes how I'm feeling, you know, because it has to start with you. And then you can start with breaking down those barriers and communicating more about it outwardly. Mm. But I I just, I'm just such a big fan of small steps. Like shame Mm. is such a big concept to work with and to get over. And it's societal, it's cultural. You know, there's some women in the world that, that don't have access to sanitary products. So what do we do about that? You know, there's so much there. And I think like we've we've kept returning to this idea of self-awareness, but I I truly think that has to be a starting point. Like recognize where you're at and and recognize maybe you don't even um, think that you feel or have experienced shame 
um, towards your menstrual cycle. So one of the things that I do with, with women on a program that I run is I just get them to identify, like, what is your period story? You know, how do you feel about having a period? How do you feel towards your period? How do you, how um, were you educated about it growing up? Because then we just acknowledge, don't we? We acknowledge, oh yeah, actually like the, the education that I had about my period was so poor and was and was non-existent that like, no wonder I'm in this place right now. And yeah, so it's small steps. And I think acknowledging how you feel about your own cycle is, is definitely a great starting point. Yeah, wow. As you're saying this, there's just so much coming up for me. And it's really interesting because I didn't really think I had shame about it. But just in this moment, because I always love to just as I'm listening to you, see what's there for me and, you know, really be be here in this. And I didn't have any shame as far as the way I was taught wasn't shameful. But I actually remember this circumstance when I was younger. I lived, I grew up in a very small town, whole bunch of hippies. So very open, lots of um, naked swimming in the summer and like just kind of hippies. And one of my best friend's mom, who was like my mom's best friend, I don't know why, but I was probably about six and she's like, I'm going to show you this about a period. Like I didn't, I had no idea what she was even talking about, but she used this thing that was like a sponge. I don't really know exactly what, I haven't seen one, but she used this thing and she took me to the bathroom. She showed me the whole ordeal. She's sitting on the toilet showing me how she does this stuff. And it was it was too much. It was not my mom. I felt like I wasn't warmed up to it. It just, sometimes people can be so open. And I know that probably seems weird to a lot of people, but it's kind of, you know, the the small town I was in, no shame, no anything. So she was just showing me how this went and it's always stuck in my mind. And as you're saying that, when you said like, what's your period story? What's, you know, all this, it felt like too much information at the time. That's almost what I would have said if I could have like, that was too much. It wasn't traumatizing, but it was just too much. And so now I almost feel like as I go to share something about my period, too much information. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to see that. It's too much to share about how you're feeling or anything. Even like when I say, oh, my period's starting next week. Even if I say that to my husband, I have this cringe inside, even though he's Mm. totally fine with it. But I didn't even realize that till now. I got this impression of like, it was too much. It was too gross. It was too weird. It was too much. So uh, the only reason I'm sharing that is because it might not be direct shame or direct learning of like period is bad or you should be shamed. It can just be the way it was brought to us when we were younger, the way, you know, when our parents had the talk or the series of talks or however we were taught or not taught, right? I know a lot of people that their parents put some pads in their bathroom when they were, you know, eight and just said, when it happens, here you go. You're kind of on your own. That could also, you know, instill the the story of I'm alone in this or I have to figure this out on my own. So it's just really, and I thank you for creating the space for this because we do have intertwined stories of what it means to have a period, what it means to bleed, how many times you hear you know, people, teenagers, and like, oh, it's gross. And, you know, that whole thing. How can you trust something that bleeds for five days and doesn't die or whatever those stupid little things are we hear when we're a kid? And so the shame or the guilt or the too muchness 
can really run deep from how it was portrayed to us when we were young. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because there's cultural conditioning, right? There's stories from childhood. And like, I have memories of, like, I remember being in a gym when I was maybe 16, 17 and wearing white trousers and not realised that my period had started. And, and, you know, just those incidents that like really stick in our mind as being points of embarrassment and not knowing how to, how to deal with that because you're at a stage in your life, maybe when you're younger, when you're self-identity is just at a different stage it's not so it's not so fully formed you're still working like who you are in the world and yeah I, I really think like all of that is so important and that's why I feel like it's so important to do a bit of digging into that because um our you know our teenage years as women are just they're so pivotal they're so pivotal to our identity formation so I think all of the information that you're Fed about your cycle at that time definitely leaves its mark. Mm, yeah. Mm. I'd love to ask too, um, how do you think that we can better, I'm going to say that even though I don't think there's a better or worse, we're all trying to do our best, but how can we best talk to our children about this when we have girls that are transitioning into, you know, going to be getting their period? Um and not making, not, you know, hopefully not passing on some of these things that we have. How do we sort of best do that, do you think? Yeah, yeah, great question. There's a lot to jump into here. So I would say the first step is, as we've just spoken about, be clear with anything that you are bringing into that conversation, right? So anything that you might still be carrying with you from how you were educated as a child, um, and I think having that having that self-awareness as a parent is is so important because otherwise you just kind of you're just going into the conversation quite unconsciously, aren't you? And you might go in with the best intentions, but but still kind of leave um, a trail of something that was imparted on you at a younger age. And I, I just think the main principle with talking to um, to our children is openness and transparency and honesty and ultimately like not all teenagers definitely not are going to be at a phase of being ready to have you know whatever we want to call it like a super enlightened conversation about menstrual cycle awareness like it's just not where they're at so I just think um Coming into the conversation, knowing knowing where you're at, knowing how you feel about your own cycle, being honest and open about the journey that they're going on. And um, if they and you are ready, maybe bringing in a sense of like the sacredness about it. And rather than, you know, it being something that, that, that they are going to feel embarrassed about because of the influences of other their friends or the education system maybe just trying to bring in a little bit of balance you know to that sense of shame and embarrassment so maybe just just even the tone of the conversation can really make a difference right so mm -hmm. it like sacred make it exciting make it joyful make it light um you know you don't want to kind of be having like a really 
sit down serious conversation with them. Um, so I think just that that light acknowledgement, open communication around in, around uh, information and what's happening. I think really that that's like a brilliant starting point. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful to first check in and be like, what am I bringing to this? What was mm-hmm. I taught and what do I need to be aware of like that I, you know, either don't want to pass on or maybe do. Maybe you had a brilliant way that your parents dealt with it or your mom mm-hmm. shared with you and it was really empowering and you do want to bring that forward. Um, I always also try with my oldest who's 11. She's, she's turning 11 soon and her, some of her friends have got their periods. It's very much, she's very much changing and I can tell it's coming soon. And I mix, uh, I have a mixture of sort of matter of fact, like this is a period. We all have them. Every woman you see, you know, more or less has a period or has at certain time in their life. This is such a natural way. So there's sort of this very frank, like this is an arm, an arm helps you lift. You know, this is a period, making it very normal, not weird, not gross, but then also saying like, and and sometimes like you can feel different things and and sort of like, Mixing the emotional in a supportive way with the like matter of fact, because I think that's something, and I remember my daughter going like, everyone has this. I'm like, pretty much, you know, most people, you know, you know, your aunts, your grandmas, you know, everybody mostly has gone through this. And so, yeah. And it's like, oh, that first of all, doesn't make them feel so weird and wrong and bad or whatever they could start to feel. And then kind of like, yeah, and I'm here, you know, I've been doing this for this long. I have, you know, 20 whatever years of experience with this period thing. I'm here for you and and um, kind of try to make it. Also, I, I talk about how it's kind of like a rite of passage sort of in the way of like, it means you're getting older and you're moving from a little kid, you know, into eventually a woman. And that's exciting. And I try to make the tone light, but also, like I said, kind of textbook in some ways of like, this is just normal. This is our body. This is how it works. Nothing to be ashamed of. I try to have that tone because, you know, I noticed at first when she was talking about it, she was kind of squirmy and weird because she didn't really know. And then after it was like, oh, Okay. And then she's like, hey, can I have a snack? Like, it's no big deal, right? <laughs> like, okay, that yeah. was a successful conversation. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I think you've touched on some really, like, that's great advice. I think just you've touched on some really important things there, like normalizing what's going on. And and I think anything, like with anything, it's the energy we bring to it, right? Mm. So anything that feels icky for another person, um, if we bring the energy to it that, this happens for everyone and there's nothing to be ashamed of. And, and then it, it, it shifts. It's just the conversation shifts. So yeah, I love all of what you've just said. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> you said I did a good job. So, all right. <laughs> um, so as we wrap up here, what do you feel as women start to embark on this journey and start to really honor their cycle, maybe just first it's awareness of it. What does that do in their life? Like, what is the power? If I was to say to you, like, why, why should I do this? Why should I start to be more aware? Mm. I think a huge part of it is recognizing, um, a a natural part of ourselves that maybe we've ignored for a long time. Um, I think part of it is harnessing our own strengths that you might not even know or appreciate are there. 
Um, I think it's the, the journey of self-awareness can bear many, many fruits. So, you know, I think it's, it's understanding what is coming up in your life and when and at what point in your cycle um, might you want to do something about that and when might it not be the most appropriate time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's definitely uh, self-awareness, definitely appreciating your own strengths as a woman and definitely uh, a growing awareness of the cyclical nature of how we are as beings. Mm, yeah. It's like a deeper level of self-awareness yeah. and self-compassion like you're talking about that a lot of us haven't, you know, had the opportunity to explore or the awareness to explore. And, you know, I think we talked about this before we hit record, but a lot of spiritual women and self-discovery, it tends to be focusing more on that highest self and their intuition and, you know, um, connecting to everything sort of big and, and up there, but we can't neglect our bodies. Our bodies are the vessel for the spirit and our bodies tell us so much. So I love how you encourage us to kind of get down to that basic awareness of who we are because it is basic our cycle is basic it's hardwired into us it's this it's part of our systems of how we function as a human but it's I would say almost more often ignored shoved away overridden you know than not yes yeah and the womb the space of the womb is a dark place right we come from darkness at some points in our life we feel in the dark, but ultimately we are birthed from darkness. We are all birthed from darkness. And I think to return on an energetic um, level, to return to the source, the space of the womb, that energy center, it's just, it's beyond words really. It's, um, it's healing in so many ways and travel from head to heart to womb it can it's just yeah it's like beyond imagination really the the fruits that that journey can bear Mm, that's Mm. amazing well thank you so much for sharing everything with us today and for doing what you do I really feel how important it is and I'm really grateful the people that get to come into contact with you in this work because it feels like sort of like a blind spot when you didn't know that you didn't know something and then you crack into it and you're like, oh my goodness. It feels like, again, almost such a basic thing that is so not basic in our society and the way we're taught and our priorities, right? So thank you for helping us to claim that and be aware of that and honor that in ourselves. Mm, thank you. Yeah all of that thank you <laughs> you're so welcome I mean it it's it's amazing so if um anyone would like to reach out to you connect with you see what you've got going on which I know they will where can we find you and what do you have going on right now yeah sure so my business is wellness with Sally um the best ways to keep up with me are my website wellnesswithsally.com and from there you can join my mailing list which goes out about monthly and keeps people updated with with what I have going on 
Um, I also have my Facebook page, so I'm fairly active on social media, Wellness with Sally on Instagram, Wellness with Sally UK on Facebook. I have a Facebook group where I regularly share um, information, particularly around menstrual cycle awareness, but also just different kind of life hacks and um, positive psychology as well for women. So you can find that from my Facebook page. What's Um, the group called? So it's called Wellness for Women. Mm. yeah wellness for women but link to my facebook page i should be able to find it from there amazing i'll put all that in the show notes for everyone to go check out sally thank you again so much i got so much out of this and i can't imagine what it would be like for six or 12 months just how much you would learn about yourself and um that's it sounds like such an incredible journey thank you so much for sharing everything today Mm, thank you, Talia. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I really hope you loved it. Before I go, I want to acknowledge you for taking time out of your day to fuel your spiritual connection and manifest your future. I know you're busy and just listening to this raises your vibe, resets your belief and creates a positive ripple effect into your life and you are doing such a good job. I am honored that you invited me into your life and into your ears. It's a beautiful thing and I truly appreciate it. Remember, you are a powerful creator who is creating the most beautiful life as we speak. So today, I cheers to you.